This is Chris. Welcome to episode 239 of X-Lapsed, which marks one entire year of X-Lapsed being a thing. Um, as this episode is being released, it's uh, exactly one year from the day that uh, the first episode came out. And as I record this, it's exactly one year to the day since I uh, recorded that first episode. And uh, I tell you, it's been an interesting an interesting year. Um Yesterday, I went out for a run and uh, decided to do something, I don't know if you consider this tacky, listening to your own uh, voice, <laughs> having your own voice in your head, um, literally, you know, I, I listened to the first episode of X-Lapsed, and uh, it was interesting, it was funny, um, if you ever do any kind of audio or, I suppose, video content, or any, actually, if you create any sort of content and you revisit some of your older stuff, uh, it might leave kind of a bizarre impression on you. Um, you may feel like, you know, maybe from then till now you lost a step. Maybe you've gained a step. Maybe you've aged a lot. Maybe you've become more comfortable. Maybe you've become less comfortable. It's uh, it's an interesting thing. Um, I, I don't often listen to uh, my old stuff or the stuff that uh, Reggie and I had done together for all those years. Uh, I'll listen to them a little bit if I'm doing like a remaster or an edit or a compilation. Uh, but I'll never listen to like the entire thing. You know, it won't be like start at zero, play it all the way through. It's usually just to like I'll import it and if I see like there's a little wonkiness on the audacity, I'll, I'll, look, I'll look into that and see if I need to up some noise or down some noise or make the waves look like they're a little bit more even. But uh Insofar as actually sitting back and listening, it's something I do very seldom, and I recall doing so um, when I was tasked with uh, pulling our uh, Young Animal segments out of the uh, Weird Science DC Comics podcast to, you know, compile and put out on the channel here for our audience, and uh, that was a little bit of a endeavor, uh, because those were very long episodes, and our segment was a very short part of those very long episodes, so I had to kind of monitor, and I had to listen to the entire thing to make sure I was cutting out the right uh, bits and pieces and not leaving anything out and not taking too much. So I remember doing that probably, I think that was like 2018 or so, and we started doing the Young Animal segments in 2016, and uh, one of my main takeaways there was like, wow... We sounded so young. And, I, and I've said this before. I've made reference to this uh, phenomenon or sensation before. But, yeah, we, we seemed so young. We weren't. You know, we were still grown men. Adult, fake-ass comics historians, you know. But uh, we sounded young. Sounded like a 
I don't know, we've come a long way, or we kind of were able to gel a little bit better than we had at the start. And I mean, I don't mean to sound like I'm bragging or anything, because I still don't think I'm all that great to listen to. But uh, it's weird when you when you revisit the, the older stuff, and uh, maybe thoughts of where you were when that was going on start flooding back. I mean, that's something we do as uh, comics uh, enthusiasts. We kind of get gestalty with it, right? We can remember things about when we experienced certain comics or when we bought certain comics. And, uh, you know, when you're part of something semi-creative, like putting out, uh, you know, comics-related audio, uh, you can kind of place yourself where you were, what you were doing, how you were feeling when you did it. And uh, despite the fact that, I mean, this channel has almost 700 episodes on it, uh, I can remember a lot of them. And uh, I had that weird sensation just yesterday on, on my run listening to X-Lapsed Episode 1. And, I mean, that wasn't very long ago. In the grand scheme of things, it was one year. I recorded that on August 31st of 2020 at, like, 10 o'clock at night because it was, like, something I was really nervous about doing. But in comparing that to how I feel that I am on the mic now, it, it's like, I don't want to say night and day because it's not totally different, but it's it's a little different. I feel like I was far less uh, inclined to make any statements back then. I was very nebulous with my thoughts because I was afraid that I was wrong about most things. You know, um, if you ever listen to those old episodes, it's probably, you know, I thought I said things like, waiting for the other shoe to drop you know, too often, when really what I said too often back then was I could be completely wrong. And I think I might still say that now, but I and definitely not as much as I did back then because I feel like with every single theory that I laid out there, I was like, but I might be wrong, you know, because I didn't want to make a decisive statement that could come back and bite me as if anybody cares, right? Uh, it's it's very interesting. And uh in addition to that lack of, uh, I guess, confidence, was also this almost charming naivete about the direction that the X-Books were going to be going in, which, listening to it, it's it's very funny. Um, there were some theories I made that uh, turned out to be pretty close to what happened, if not exactly what happened, um, and there were some that were just like, way, way the hell out there. Mostly because, uh, I guess to bring the chestnut back again, I was waiting for, for shoes to drop, right? Um, you go into a big story like this that has a bit of a buzz, a bit of a fanfare to it, where, you know, even avoiding spoilers and avoiding deeper discussion on the books that uh, I was going to be getting into, all I knew was that, like, this was going to change everything, right? And when I hear something like that, I'm expecting... Maybe, you know, the changes we got were huge, right? We've talked about them at length here. We've talked about all the changes that came from Hoxpox and how they uh, fundamentally changed the game. But in, like, the comic book world, it's, uh, we're used to changes, despite the fact that we're, you know, constantly berated for refusing change as comics fans. We're kind of accustomed to getting change. Status quo don't last very long, right? I mean, the status quo will always return, but... There were a lot of changes along the way A lot of things get added to the lore A lot of things get taken out of the lore And I was assuming uh, You know, incorrectly 
that this was going to be something that kind of started us at zero. So as the changes were being um, implemented, they really didn't shock me as much as maybe they would have had I not gone in with a certain expectation. Because at the end of Powers of X number six, I was just like, oh, that's it? You know, um, not that it was a disappointment, but it was just like I was expecting something more than the usual Marvel, everything you thought you knew was wrong sort of a sort of a gig. But in any event, it was a very fun to revisit and get those my first thoughts on things like uh, Krakoan, you know, uh, gateway seeds, uh, Wolverine being back. It's the first time I've read anything with Wolverine back in it. Um, Gene being back. It's like the first thing I actually paid attention to. With Gene back, you know, alive And not a teenager with a really bad haircut You know, um, it was very, very interesting to revisit this I was able to figure out that my stance on space stories hasn't changed (laughs) In the interim here uh, Because we're introduced to Orcus in that first issue And I was like, wow, we we need less of this (laughs) We really need less of this And also uh, the phenomenon known as info pages I got my first taste of info pages there, and my initial reaction was, you know, I usually skim things like this, but I'm going to give it my best shot, which, uh, yeah, sounds about right. One of my main takeaways from listening to that episode was that uh, I really wanted familiarity. I was looking for things that, uh, that made me feel at home. Because, I mean, this is a very different era, of course, and the X-Men have changed... A lot. Um, it's weird. I, I talk about micro and macro a lot when we talk about certain books. And, you know, in the in the macro here, we can look at the X-Men over the course of the past several decades. And you can think like, okay, well, they haven't, you know, they're still what they are, right? They're still feared and hated. They're still this. They're still that. And then you look at it in the micro here. We squeeze the focus into... Hey, I mean, I left the X-Men books in 2015, 2016, came back in 2019. So if we squeeze everything into three years, it's like, wow, there were a lot of changes. You know, I'm still not clear on all the stuff that I missed. And hell, I'm not even clear on some of the stuff that was going on as I was leaving. Because it's been so long since I've read it, and I don't have any real contextual cues to where those stories evolved into and uh, how we got from there to here. So... Yeah, I was uh, looking for touchstones, you know, familiarity To where <laughs> when they, we saw a Stepford Cuckoo And I was like, yay, someone I recognize I, it was, It's so silly because the, the cuckoos are really just no, no big deal to me, generally speaking But seeing one in the story was just like, I know who that is Okay, okay, we're, we're kind of we're at home We're kind of there And of course from there we've, you know, Krakow has become the home, right? So everything that was not so familiar is now, well, just what we expect. And uh, things like familiarity or callbacks to pre-Hoxpox events or uh, character beats is uh, it's just, you know, gravy, I guess. Just uh, nice little nods to those of us who've been around for a while who uh, may miss that sort of thing. Um, now, one more thing before we get to the issue. Thankfully, it's an issue of Wolverine, so there really isn't a whole heck of a lot to say. Uh, so forgive my my vamping or whatever, or you could just skip ahead a few minutes if you want to get to um, the senses-shattering uh, Wolverine story uh, in Madripoor. Uh, feel free to do that. But uh, 
just want to go back to the day that uh, I decided to start this program here just to let you all in on a bit of my mindset. I may have shared this story before. Um, I may not have. I, I talk a lot, so um, I, I get lost in my own weeds sometimes. But uh, as I said in the first episode, uh, I was looking to make the X-Men something of a multitasker for me, considering that... I'm, you know, something of a prolific content creator, you know, every single day for 2,000 plus days. I, I think that's uh, something fairly consistent to hang my hat on. But um, I talk about how I don't have time for fun projects, you know, I don't have, well, not even projects, I don't have time for fun reading. And so I had this tremendous stack of uh, Hox, Pox, Docs books that I just never really gave a second look to, or even a first look to, and I wanted to fix that. You know, and I remember the day that I started this show, I was digging through long boxes, trying to dig out all of the, you know, current year X stuff from various, you know, I call them junk boxes because they're the ones I haven't yet organized. You know, it's just what I get from DCBS, what I get from a cheapo bin, I just shove them in that box just so they're not everywhere. And I mean, even, even in doing so, I still have closets full of comics from floor to ceiling, not in boxes, not in bags, not in boards, just there. But I feel like I pay a little bit more for the DCBS stuff, so I try to protect it, I guess. <laughs> so uh, they go into a long box, the junk boxes. And I dug through three or four of those to pull out all of the current year X-Men stuff, and I shoved it all into a short box. I, I don't collect short boxes. I think I got this one from a... Uh, from a, like, a 50-cent sale where they just gave me the box because I bought so many damn books. And I remember sitting there, and I had, I think, something like 95 issues. It was uh, just shy of 100. It may have been may have been 90, may have been 85, I don't know. But it was just shy of 100 is what I remember. And it felt insurmountable. And so being the attention-seeking fellow that I am, I, I snapped a picture and, and posted it on uh, Twitter and asked, you know, Hey, is there a reading order for this? You know, because, I mean, it's Marvel. <laughs> Who knows what the reading order is going to be? Who knows how many issues of what we're fitting into, you know, five minutes in the middle of such and such an issue. It's pretty crazy. And I got several links sent my way as a reply, and uh, they were all conflicting. They were all different. Um, I remember one that looked promising actually had books that weren't even scheduled to come out for a couple of months in the reading continuity already. Like, okay, well, the first 12 issues of this series shows up before the first issue of this one, but we're only up to issue number eight. And I'm like, how the hell am I going to do what? <laughs> how does this make any sense? How am I going to make any sense of this? And I swear I must have sorted these uh, books out three or four times that day, trying to put them in different, you know, orders of how to approach this project. And, uh, I mean, it wasn't even a project at this point. This, at this point, it was just a reading deal. I was just going to read it, maybe, you know, tweet some thoughts or whatever, just kind of get a little bit of forward momentum and try to catch up. And the goal there was, uh, I wanted to be caught up to real time by the time of X of Swords, because that was kind of the thing in the air, uh, when I started, uh, making a concerted effort to catch up on these books that I'd ignored for so long. And so this was pretty early in the day on August 31st, 2020, and uh, the short box sat next to me for most of the day, and I thought I would, you know, start going through it. I figured if it was in my face constantly, I would have really no choice but to do it. Though at the same time, I had Hoxpox sitting on my uh, 
my nightstand for about 10 months at that point, unread. So who knows? Uh, I don't know what I was thinking. But uh, as the day grew into evening, and I realized I didn't have any content to put out on Chris's on Infinite Earths the next day, I was like, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to let, let's read the first issue of House of X here and maybe put some thoughts together. Maybe do a, a fake-ass blog post, you know. And so I figured, okay, sure, let's do it. So I read it, I took some notes, I tried to make those notes into actual, like, sentences and paragraphs, and I couldn't really do it with the uh, the inflection that I wanted to. Because, I mean, it, it's hard to gauge things like sarcasm or uh, uncertainty or even things like self-depreciation in, uh, in text. So it's like I didn't want to come across as though I was slighting this book here because I actually quite enjoyed it. I just didn't understand most of it. And, I mean, I've talked about my density for a while. I can be very, very dense. I can get lost in the scenery, you know, where I'm looking for symbols where they may or may not exist. I fall for just about every red herring. <laughs> um, it's, a, it's just a, a defect uh, in, in my uh, reading process ever since I you know, uh, discovered Grant Morrison, I guess, where I have to try to make myself look like I, I'm more learned or erudite in my, my thoughts and takeaways. But I, I had all these notes, you know, I had all these notes. I just couldn't figure out how to make them flow into actual reading material, actual blog posts that somebody could read, understand, and I would never say you'd get something from my writing, but, you know, maybe, you know, not not hate it or not be totally baffled and confused and think that you just read the, uh, you know, the scrawlings of a madman. So I says to myself, okay, maybe this can be an episode of Chris's on Infinite Earths, and maybe it could become like its own little series within Chris's on Infinite Earths. We could, you know, do 12 issues where we go through House of X and uh, Powers of X and just uh, have it as episodes, you know, what, 38 to 49 or 50 or whatever on uh, Chris's on Infinite Earths. And I told myself, hey, if I can come up with decent cover art, you know, album art for the podcast, then uh, then I'd do it. You know, that was the, uh, the deal I made with myself. And so I tried to figure out, now, how can I make this kind of stand out? If uh, anybody's familiar with the old... Um, I, what would I even call it? Trade dress, I guess. I mean, not exactly a trade dress, but um, there was a uh, there was a pattern or a um, a design to all the uh, old Chris and Reggie stuff that I was putting together and uh, resharing, and it wasn't flashy. You know, it was instantly identifiable because it was a I guess it was a trade dress. You know, there was a banner on top, a banner on the bottom, a speech balloon with a number in it to tell you what uh, to tell you what uh, episode it was. And the logo, the uh, Cosmic Treadmill logo was in there as well. Not very striking. But, I mean, if you see it and you know what it is, you know what it is. But uh, I wanted it to be, I don't know, a little bit different from that. And uh, I wanted to use the current Hox Pox Docs trade dress as, you know, I wanted to borrow from it. And I say borrow with uh, the bunny bunny ears, right, the quotes, uh, because I basically cut and paste a lot of it, but um, I had the big X, I had the, the circle the, with the blank space in it, I had the white background, and I'm like, okay, this, uh, this looks pretty good. This is starting to look okay, and I hadn't, uh, I hadn't fleshed it all out yet, but I, I liked 
I liked the look. I liked how it was coming along, and I decided then and there that, okay, this will be a limited series, but it's not going to be a Chris's on Infinite Earths. It's going to be something else. It's got to be something that I can launch in and of itself. You know, it's its own thing. And the first thing that popped into my head was X-Lapsed, you know, um... Not just because it sounded like X-Lax, and that kind of made me giggle, and I'm sure it would make other people giggle. But I remember the uh, the episode of Seinfeld where uh, George was trying to like uh, trying to make his name memorable to a woman, like get it stuck in her head. And I don't remember the particulars of the episode. It's been a little while since I've seen it, but uh, he said his name with the inflection of the by Menon um, a jingle. So it was Costanza. And I remember giggling to myself, like, okay, you know, X-lapsed sounding like X-lax might be something that sticks in people's heads. And they might, you know, I mean, I don't want that sort of association, but hey, you know, any old port in a storm, right? It was something that was somewhat memorable. And more than that, it kind of just rolls off the tongue. And so I, I set to downloading my Tom Muller alphabet and methodically cutting and pasting an L-A-P-S-E-N-D, and placing it in the blank space of the uh, the X-lapsed trade dress. Then I snapped a picture of the cover of House of X number one, splatted it in there, switched around the layer so it was behind it, and it was like, okay, that looks good, but it looks busy. It looks a little bit busy, so uh, threw in the sepia tone on top of it, and I thought to myself, wow, you know, that, that doesn't look half bad. It looks kind of striking. And, I mean, I don't usually think the things that I make are any good, but uh, I was, a, I don't want to say proud, <laughs> but I liked it. I thought it was cool. And so with that in there, I had to figure out what to do with all this damn white space around the image, right? And, you know, flipping to the, uh, the double-page spread of cred in these issues here, I'm seeing, like, a lot of, uh, it's not so much binary code, really, but it's little code and little, uh, you know, uh, short words and underscores and dashes and colons and all that stuff. And I'm like, huh, well, maybe I can use that. Maybe I can figure out a way to um, make that work with uh, the show. And so, I mean, if I don't know if anybody's noticed, but uh, in the bottom left-hand corner of all the art for X-Lapsed, there's code. And that code actually means something, uh, which, I mean, it might just look like filler, and you may think it's the same every time. Every single one is different. Every single one has the X-Lapsed episode number in it. It has the volume and issue of the book we're reading. It has the cover date of the issue we're reading. And it has the on-sale date of the issue we're reading. Every single one. And, I mean, there might be mistakes in there since there's been, you know, almost 250 of them at this point. But uh, they're all different. <laughs> they're all different. And uh, I pay special attention to it every single episode. Every time I put together some, you know, cover art, I, I make a point of... Ensuring we have that information in there. Um, now, the top right corner, I, I was able to find a Krakoan font, so I don't have to actually just cut out each of these letters like I do the Tom Muller stuff. This is something that is a font you can download. It's a Krakoan 3. You can, you can find it fairly easily on the Internet. And so I, I wanted to implement a little bit of Krakoan language on there. So uh, in the top right corner, it says Chris and Reggie uh, in Krakoan. I don't know if anybody's noticed that or thought it meant anything at all but uh yeah it does it's uh, it's there and it's uh, to me something of a uh, tribute to uh, to my roots in this uh, in this hobby and while on the subject of Krakoan if anybody's following along with the collected x laps that come out uh, every Saturday 
there's a lot of Krakoan text on those. Um, the entire right side of the uh, album art is, um, it's a message. <laughs> Every single time there is a message there. And it's usually me being snarky about something that we read that week. And uh, it, it's all, you know, silliness and fun and... We get to the Empire stuff, and I'm kind of making fun of the Empire stuff over there. Fallen Angels gets made fun of. It's, uh, I don't know, it's it's ways that I can tickle myself. And uh, it's a neat little Easter egg that uh, I don't know if anybody would ever take the time or have any interest in translating. But, hey, it's there if anybody wants it. And if anybody were to write in and be like, hey, that was a good one, or hey, that was stupid, I would still be rather tickled that they even noticed in the first place. So with the artwork out of the way, and uh, I was quite satisfied with how it came out, I decided, okay, well, this is what we're going to do. We're going to do this. Uh, I figured it would be 12 weeks, you know, just going through Hox Pox, getting myself to some steady ground so I could actually experience and enjoy the Dawn of X stuff on my own time after that. And by now, I think it was like 10.30 at night, <laughs> and I was uh, like, okay, I'm tired, but uh, let, let's record this thing. It couldn't be longer than... 15 minutes. I figured it was going to be a 15-minute thing, in and out, and, uh, well, it was closer to 40 minutes. And I assumed that every episode was going to be, like, 10 minutes long after that. I wanted it to be under a half hour, and I figured that the half-hour ones would just be, like, the big ones, you know? And now, I mean, well, the half hour is the short one. I mean, we're 25 minutes into this episode already, and, uh, not that we have a whole lot to say about Wolverine and Madripoor, but, I mean... We haven't even started yet. So, uh, I mean, that might just be an indictment on the fact that I talk a lot. But what it really is at this point is the acknowledgement that uh, we've built a wonderful little community here full of folks who want to engage and who are following along and uh, want to share their thoughts about these issues. And uh, they give me the opportunity to return with my thoughts. And we get to revisit thoughts and just have... Have the conversations that I always wanted to have. Um, I mean, I don't have a whole lot of in-real-life friends, and even fewer, or actually none, that read comics. <laughs> so these aren't conversations that I get to have. These aren't conversations that I've ever had since I was a teenager, where me and my friends would go to the comic store every day. So it's it's wonderful to have this little community here where... We're on this little journey together, and we're sharing thoughts, and uh, I mean, it it really, it's hard for me to put into words what it means to me, so it's uh, it's very, very wonderful. And I'm sure we'll get to some sappy thank yous at the end of this episode, but uh, I definitely want to, you know, say thank you now as well, because without, without you all, there's no way this would still be a thing. There's probably no way that this would have made it to the final episode of Powers of X, if not for the folks who uh, reached out and started sharing their thoughts and helped to motivate me to keep going at times where, I mean, Hoxpox was great. Uh, there were some slow bits, especially for me thinking about X cubed, you know, the 1,000 years later. Don't care about that stuff, but uh, I was able to push through. I was able to... Uh, give my thoughts because people were giving me their thoughts and we were able to exchange ideas and it was just a, I mean, it made all the difference. And even to this day, a year later, it continues to make all the difference here. I, I love hearing from people. I love sharing everybody's thoughts. I just love the idea that uh, that we've, you know, made this little community, this little uh, reading club. It's It's not something I ever thought I'd be able to do. So at this point, a year ago, I'm really starting to pick up like steam, right? I'm starting to really get motivated to do this. And it takes a lot for me to actually make a first move. 
you know, when it comes to starting a project here. I, I've never wanted to be the guy who started a project and didn't finish it. Um, I think they call that pod fading. <laughs> I didn't want to be that guy. And of course, I have an appreciation for like life getting in the way and stuff like that. I understand why people may have to step away from the mic. And I mean, you never know, that may actually happen to me. I'm, I'm going in for a crown tomorrow, so who knows if I'll even be able to speak. But when it comes to where my mind was uh, back in the late summer of 2020, I felt like something of a uh, failure as it came to this hobby. I wanted to put out content. I thought about it every day. I wanted to put out shows. I, I had spent five years putting out shows regularly, and uh, to not have that in my life anymore, it really bothered me. It really, really did. Um, but, you know, I've, I talked about this during an earlier episode of Chris's on Infinite Earths, which, if anybody remembers listening to those shows, uh, you'll know that those veered into the realm of personal. You know, they got very, very personal. I shared a lot of myself with the listeners, and, I mean, that's good and bad. You know, uh, the stories that didn't make me look great. <laughs> you know, I shared a lot of stories, and I also shared a lot of my um, thought process as it pertains to, um, and I don't want to go, you know, even deeper on a tangent, but, uh, I mean, we're already here, um, as it pertained to putting out content post-Reggie. And uh, if you remember listening to those episodes, you'll know that I felt, and, and continue to feel, um, a lot of guilt in that I'm still able to do this, and uh, maybe most of all that I still want to do it. Generally speaking, I, I compartmentalize a lot of bits and pieces of my life, and I, I've talked about this at length on Chris's On Infinite Earths as well. Like, if I leave a job, um, all the friends I made there are put in that box. They're put in that job box, and uh, our paths will never cross again, at least not on purpose. That's usually how I handle um, phases of life. I compartmentalize. I put everything that was part of one thing into that box and just, uh, you know, seal it with the good tape. You know, never, never, ever open it again. And it bothered me that I still wanted to talk about comics uh, into a microphone. You know, I didn't compartmentalize this. It didn't go away. And I felt really bad about that. I felt very guilty about that, and so for a few months, I just uh, set it all aside. You know, I let some people down. Uh, you know, me and Chris Bailey were doing the moratorium Mondays, and I bailed on that. Uh, I, I bailed on a lot of things, and I mean, that happens. I mean, none of us are getting paid to do this. It's not a job. It's something we do for fun, so if you're not feeling it, you're not feeling it, you know, and that's okay. You know, I, I'd rather people didn't put out content when they didn't feel like putting out content because that usually winds up being pretty lackluster content. People know when you're forcing it, right? I'm sure there were a couple episodes of this show where people are like, oh, he, he ain't feeling it today. <laughs> but uh, unfortunately for, well, everybody, I am unflinchingly rigid in my schedule. But there also comes a point where you're making the excuse so often that the folks who would usually ask you to take part in these projects... Well, they realize that you're not there anymore, and they just stop asking. They know I'm going to say no. They know I'm going to have an excuse. They know I'm just not in it. And that's why it was so important for me to launch this X-Lapse project and be consistent. I figured it was going to be weekly. You know, I thought it was going to be once a week, 12 weeks, 
And that would be it. It would be its own little thing, and then maybe eventually down the line I can compile it into one big episode, put it out, and maybe move on to something else. Maybe not move on to anything ever again. Maybe that would just be my swan song in audio content. Well, it didn't turn out to be the case. Um, I put out the first episode on August 31st for release on September 1st, and that night I went to bed and I read Powers of X number one. The next morning I woke up, wrote a script, and sat there looking at it for a bit. And I thought, hey, I don't feel like waiting an entire week to put this out. And I thought to myself, would it be too much to put out two shows two days in a row? And I thought to myself, you know what, there's there's no such thing as rules, right? I think I, I always hold myself to these weird rules that just don't exist. I came into this hobby with the understanding that podcasts were once a week. You know, that was kind of the deal. And I think that just sunk into my psyche and my work ethic. And I was just like, you know, I I could do two shows in two days. You know, who's going to care? I'm not breaking any rules. And if anybody has a problem with it, they probably weren't going to listen to the show anyway. So it's uh, certainly something I can do. And that's how it starts, you know. I, I get motivated. It's hard to get me motivated, especially last summer. I was not not in it. So when the wheel started to move and motivation started to, to come in, and then I started getting feedback, and people were sharing you know, their thoughts and warning me about how the Dawn of X books might not live up to the Hoxpox books, well, not only was my interest peaked, but I felt like I wasn't in this alone. And I mean, I've said this before, I'm sure I'll say it again, podcasting, content creation, writing, recording, it's a lonely, lonely process. And of course, I'm talking about doing things solo. It can be devastatingly lonely. (laughs) So uh, getting feedback and hearing from people and knowing that uh, folks out there are actually listening and not just, you know, downloading because they've already subscribed to to the channel, it meant a lot to me, and it really helped to fuel uh, my motivation and kept me going. And so, you know, a week or two later, we made it through the initial Hoxpox run, and I had this odd feeling of accomplishment. And I mean, at the end of the day, it's very silly to feel like it's an accomplishment to talk about comic books into a microphone by myself in a room, but, I mean, in this life, we take whatever victory we can get. And uh, I can compare... This feeling of accomplishment to the feeling I had when I finished up my Action Comics Daily project over at Chris's on Infinite Earths, where I spent, you know, 10 or 11 months going through every single story in Action Comics Weekly. And when you get to the end of it, it's like there's this weird relief because, like, it's done. You know, you did it. It's all there, and it'll forever be something of a resource, you know? But at the same time, there's... There's a sadness because that was your, you know, it was, like, it was appointment writing. It was appointment reading. It was something that became part of my everyday, and then it was gone. And so as I was getting closer to wrapping up Hoxpox, it became more and more apparent that I was going to want to keep on with the show. There was going to be an X-Lapse episode 13, which I didn't think was going to be a thing. And the fact that it is and was a thing is all thanks to the folks that reached out to me. It's it's all thanks to them. Um, you don't need me to tell you that uh, 2020 was a very lonely year for a lot of people, you know. So anything that makes you feel a little less alone is welcome, right? And uh, 
about three quarters of the way through our Hoxpox coverage, I got an email that I, I didn't feel comfortable sharing on the air, but uh, this person wrote in and uh, thanked me for being there every day because it was a particularly hard time in their life um, and they were going through some stuff. I mean, it was pandemic. People are feeling detached. People are scared. People are losing people that they love. And uh, this person wrote in to thank me for being consistent, for being there, being a, a companion over the course of uh, those past couple of weeks. And um, that really, it really moved me um, because I've I've been there. I think a lot of us have been there, um, you know, pandemic or not. Uh, when you're, you know, in a bad time, you look for things that uh, things that give you comfort. When things are uncertain, you look for something dependable, you know, something that you can count on, something consistent. And it becomes part of your, your day. And I've been there. I'm sure we've all been there, right? And uh, the knowledge that... Even in uncertain times, there's something you can count on is is a comfort. And the fact that my silly show was considered to be one of those comforts, I, I mean, I, I, <laughs> I said it before, I can't put into words what that means to me. And as much as the show may have become a comfort to them, it also became a comfort to me. Because it was something that I did every day. It became a tradition. It became... I got used to setting my alarm for a couple hours before I usually get up so I can have a script written before the day actually begins. I mean, it's uh, it's become part of my routine and ultimately part of my life. And, you know, over the past year, we've had highs, we've had lows, we've had X-Corp. Um, I've probably shed 85 to 90% of the listenership from the old Chris and Reggie channel in that... Uh, I mean, this is my first niche within a niche project, and of course, not all niches serve all uh, audiences, but uh, it, it's been an experience. It's definitely been an experience, and um, despite some of the frustrations that I've had, um, I don't know that I would trade it. I've made a lot of friends this year, I've strengthened some existing friendships this year, and uh, uh, you'll hear from some of those folks a little bit later on in this episode, but... Um, that's kind of the goal. That's what it's all about, right? Way back in 2016, when I had hit um, 100 days straight of blogging at Chris's on Infinite Earth, someone asked me what my goal was. Like, was I looking to monetize? Was I looking to get, like, on, on comp lists for DC and Marvel? What was, it? what was my goal? What did I want out of this? Was I trying to get comp passes to conventions? And uh, what it came down to for me was, uh, was the two Fs. It was fun and friends. And uh, I suppose a third F could be frustration, because I think uh, maybe, maybe it's healthy to have a little bit of frustration in your life, because that'll keep you improving in what you do, or keep the, the passion levels a little higher than maybe you otherwise would have. But uh, on all three fronts, I feel like it's a uh, success. You know, um, it's not something I say often, and it's certainly not a success via other metrics, but uh, for the ones that matter... I'd say, uh, I'd say, yeah, it is. So, wow, we're like 40 minutes in, and we haven't even talked about our comic yet. So, uh, thank you for uh, listening to this extended trip into Flashback Land. Um, and I'll, I'll try to remember to put a timestamp in here. If, if people don't want to listen to my blibba blabba and just want to find out what Wolverine's doing in Madripoor, well, they'll be able to click <laughs> right up to here. But, uh... Let's get into it. Let's finally get into the issue here. Um, this is Wolverine Volume 7, Number 14. Had a September 2021 cover date and a legacy number of 356. 
Stories called The Unusual Suspects. Written by Benjamin Percy with art by Adam Cubitt, or Kubert, I never know how to say that name. Colors Frank Martin, letters VCs Corey Petit, designs Tom Muller, head of X for now Hickman. Edit Samaro Basso White Sabolski, cover price $4, went on sale July 28 of 2021. Now we open with a Wolverine at a Madriporian shell game. And I, I bet you didn't know that uh, this place is lawless, because uh, it sure is. Now, you might be asking why Wolverine's even in Madripoor. Well, no, you're probably not asking that since we've been in Madripoor like a billion times since this era began. But if you were to ask, well, I've got an answer for you. He's here to look into the marauder that Dungab blowed up during the Hellfire Gala. And so we see it still smoldering in Madripoor Bay. So, um, hmm, it's still smoking. Now, Wolverine gives us a little bit of the catch-up here. Now, the Shi'ar delivered an oodle of logic diamonds to Emma Frost, which she does not remember ever asking for. The diamonds were loaded onto the Marauder, and Christian Frost was set to take them back to Krakoa, and they were going to go to the Cerebro Cradles. Quite why they couldn't just use a gateway for this, I couldn't tell you. In any event, Christian was tossed overboard somewhere in the North Atlantic. He did survive, but he's hypothermic and unconscious. The ship then entered a gateway, arrived in Madripoor, and went boom. Okay, well, first, I didn't know that there were gates in the sea large enough to transport entire ships. But in fairness, I didn't know that there weren't either. Though, if Call Me Kate is the captain of the Marauder, well, then the sea gates would be pretty useless anyway, right? I mean, she can't... Are we supposed to remember? Who cares? Who cares? Okay, let's move on. Wolverine enters the Marauder to look for clues, and what he finds are... Russians. It's always Russians. Um... So we've got a mention of Madripoor being a lawless place. And we've got Russians. We're only two pages in. Um, Now, we are just a Ben Percy using an info page to give us straight dialogue away from getting the trifecta here. Anyway, the Russians are all dead, and there are signs of melting in the floor of the hull. Double-page spread of roll call and cred. Our characters include Wolverine and Sage. We rejoin Logan as he's about to interrogate the harbormaster of Madripoor Bay in search of some answers. Well, dude ain't fitting to talk, and he claims he didn't see nothing. Then, Emma Frost enters the scene to force the issue psychically. Wolverine isn't sure why she's here, and so she pulls rank, claiming that he has now been conscripted into Hellfire trading business and basically has to answer to her. But he's here as a member of X-Force. I thought they were pretty much untouchable insofar as people pulling rank on them. I mean, I mean, Percy does write X-Force, right? He, I mean, he kind of pressed the issue that X-Force is above even the Quiet Council in terms of shot-calling. I guess maybe Hellfire trading trumps even them? Uh, who cares? Who cares? Emma reads the Harbormaster's mind, and, he, and she sees what went down. The Marauder pulled into port, lowered its flag to half-mast, which signaled for the Russian baddies to approach. Fifteen to twenty minutes later, the thing was in flames. Only one person survived, and Emma hopes that he might have a little bit more insight. And so, Wolverine pays the fella a visit at Maura McTaggart General Hospital. And, uh, hey, maybe that will be the next Teeny Howard series we get. Maybe Hoxpital, starring uh, Cecilia Reyes acting completely out of character? Anyway, um, the survivor kind of looks like a mummy. He's been badly, badly injured, and he ain't keen on spilling any beans, but our Logan is able to convince him that it's in his best interest to do so. So, here's the thing. The Russians boarded the ship as signaled, but 
Ah, they were just lowered there by one of the mutants from Dark Knight Returns. He's a a hulking fellow, who we will officially meet a little bit later. But first, an info page, which features straight dialogue. So uh, someone, someone sound the klaxon here. We got the Percy trifecta. Well, I guess in fairness, there's also some sage analysis at the bottom of the page. Uh, we do get a name for the survivor of the Marauder here. It's Anthony Kriev or Kriev. Uh, I mean, as if anybody gives a crap. Uh, she deduces that this was a setup. And I mean, yeah, we, we all read the last few pages. It sure seemed like a setup. But thanks all the same for the uh, clarification there, Sage. You're sure earning your appearance in the roll call this time out. Uh, back to comics, and Wolverine is at the point. Sage suggests that the Russians might have stolen the Logic Diamond, since they already have the Cerebro Sword that nobody's expressed any interest in getting back since it was stolen, like, ten issues ago. She notes the similarity between an emblem that the survivors saw and an Iraqi pirate syndicate called Bone Clutch, which is led by Sevor Blackmore, who is that Dark Knight mutant-looking guy, and uh, we'll meet him in a few pages. Now, Sage mentions that there was a convergence with Araco, which... Well, maybe that word doesn't mean what I thought it did. I I don't remember there being a convergence. I mean, the islands didn't... I don't know. Info page. Sage's logbook regarding some outstanding queries from the gala. Query the first, the Shi'ar. Why in the hell would they deliver diamonds that Emma didn't remember ordering? Two, Terra Verde. Still? I thought this got cleared up. Is Percy not even reading his own books anymore? Three, Madripoor. Now, this whole thing feels like a shell game, which, hey, we opened this issue with a literal shell game. So, uh, this is what we in the biz call depth. So, back to Madripoor, where Wolverine is going to confront the Iraqi pirates. Now, he does so while narrating about how lawless Madripoor is, in case we didn't quite get it the first dozen times. It also kind of takes for granted that there's a high town and a low town in Madripoor. I thought high town was kind of, I mean, corrupt in another way. You know, instead of the lawlessness of Lowtown, but... And what the hell do I know? Um, now, Savor Blackmore rides up on a spiky-looking jet ski gimmick, and uh, looks like the two are about to joust. And so they do. But, in so doing, they knock each other off their respective flotation devices and wind up fighting sharks together for a page. Now, once the dust settles, Wolverine and the Pirates, which is not a book I'd ever want to read, are back at... I don't know, maybe it's the Princess Bar? Wherever they are, they're drinking and chatting. What it comes down to here is Sevier was uh, screwed by Solemn. Hey, remember that guy? And uh, he's sure that if Wolverine is mixed up in this, then he's also being screwed by Solemn, whether he knows it or not. And that is where we leave it. Next episode, more Wolverine. We're looking at Shang-Chi number three. So, uh, would it be a total cop-out for me just to say this was an issue of Wolverine and then move right into the, uh, the mail? Yeah, probably, huh? <laughs> um, thing of it is, there really isn't a whole lot to say about this issue. It's very procedural, right? I, I feel like it's serving a purpose in that it's, a, it's following up on the Marauder going boom, right? Of course, we don't see any of the cast of Marauders besides Emma Frost, who is like, the sole cast of the Marauders book right now. And so I, I don't know why, like, why is Bishop being left out of this uh, recon mission? Shouldn't he be involved in some sort of way? I, I don't know. At least it serves the purpose of getting Wolverine back into Madripoor as if, as if we need a reason to get Wolverine into Madripoor. Uh, 
And uh, we get to meet some Iraqi stowaways who decided not to go to Mars because they were having too much fun terrorizing the uh, high seas on their spiky jet skis. And we set up our revisitation with Solemn, which I think, uh, I don't know if I want to say we were waiting for that necessarily because I don't know that we were, but uh, hey, you know, he did threaten that he was going to come back and now he's about to. So other than that, not much to say. Um, This feels, at least in terms of pacing, kind of different, right? Uh, It feels like after you take a long flight and you're in a very cramped seat, like when you get up and you're able to stretch, right? You're able to stretch out and it's like the best stretch you ever had. Well, with the books being so cramped in the lead up to the Hellfire Gala, where these books had to kind of rush to wrap up their stories or at least get them to a point where they can put them aside for a bit, All the while, making sure we had several pages reminding us that there is, in fact, a gala coming up, uh, the the stories were kind of condensed, right? They were kind of pressed, where now, post-gala, and it's not just Wolverine, it's it's a couple of the books now, they feel almost like we're overcorrecting into decompression, right? Like, they're they're really stretching their bones here, and, uh, yeah, not a whole heck of a lot happens. And, I mean, this complaint or observation isn't Wolverine-centric here, but... I mean, we spent an issue uh, telling a story that could have been the Wolverine segment in a Marvel Comics Presents. I mean, let's be honest. But pacing and Perseisms aside, this uh, this wasn't a bad read. It wasn't a bad read at all. It's just one that unfortunately doesn't elicit or inspire a whole lot of conversation. It's uh, sometimes we get those, and it, I guess it's probably worth noting that the art here was uh, pretty spectacular. I I definitely enjoyed it, but. Outside of that, not a whole heck of a lot more to say, so I figure I'll, I'll stop repeating myself, and uh, we will put a pin in it for now. Now, before we tie a bow on this episode, let's head into the mailbag and the voicemail box. Um, now, since this is the anniversary episode, we're going to limit the, uh, the feedback to anniversary-centric <laughs> messages here. And we're going to start with Evan, who says, I wasn't sure what to say that I haven't already said for previous Milestones. Rather than leave a voicemail, I thought I'd offer my mostly subjective list on the most influential issues of the past year of shows. The ones that, for better or worse, have have most informed our discussions. These do, perhaps unfairly, leave out series like Cable and X-Factor that are generally well-regarded, but didn't have any single issues that met my hastily made-up criteria. These aren't exactly ranked, but I'll try and save the best for last. Now Evan starts with X-Men number 12 and 14. The recycling of art struck me at first as an interesting storytelling device until you rightly pointed out that folks shelled out $3.99 apiece for two issues comprising a little more than one issue's worth of story and art. If nothing else, an example of how the ways we consume comics can influence our perception of issues, and understandably annoying. Oh boy, yeah, this was uh, <laughs> this was one of the times where it was truly cemented for me that there are folks who will uh, call anything brilliant. <laughs> anything genius uh, Folks were very polarized on this issue Some people called it out like I did Saying that this was lazy And uh, a kind of ballsy move to ask for you know Full price for basically the same thing Just with some minor dialogue changes And a framing sequence you know, but there were folks out there who referred to this as genius and brilliant and uh, quote Hickman style. Now I- I've talked a lot about uh, my love of Paul O'Brien's writing. Now, Paul O'Brien of the X Axis uh, definitely, 
you know, one of the giants among X-Men commentators out there and has been for like 30 years at this point. And I've been trying to catch up with his blog and he's doing annotations of all of the uh, Hox, Pox, Docs, Rock, Socks era books. And I'm trying to stay... I'm very, very early in his annotations now. I'm probably in the first wave of Dawn of X now. I, I don't I don't get to visit it quite as often as I want to, but I'm also purposely far behind because I don't want to accidentally influence my, or inadvertently influence my own takes on these issues. But when it came to uh, X-Men 14, after I released the episode, I did pop over to uh, Paul's site because... His is a site that I can usually count on to be very level-headed. He and his uh, his commenters are, are usually quite level-headed in their analysis. And uh, I, I felt validated because they felt ripped off too. So I, I didn't feel like, uh, like I was being petty or if I was being, uh, you know, maybe just not seeing the true art and the, the brilliance of this gimmick. But of course, at the end of the day, mileage can and will vary. Back to Evan. Wolverine number 6 and X-Force number 13. Wolverine goes to hell. Again. Maybe I was the only one harping on this story, which at two issues seemed way too long. Clearly, I'm not over it. And you're right, that really shouldn't have been stretched out. But, I mean, at the end of the day, um, X of Swords should not have been stretched out quite as long as it was. Maybe this is just a uh, an indictment on having... One writer write a couple books in a line of books Where they kind of have to cross over with each other During the big crossovers I mean, we go we go one of two ways, right? We got the Percy Corner Where X-Force and Wolverine may as well be the same book You know, there are issues of Wolverine that are basically X-Force There are issues of X-Force that only feature Wolverine So we have that side And then we have the teeny Howard side where She's got her two books that she's going to write as her two books without giving a single thought as to how it fits into the story, how it melds with the other issues in the story. It's just, well, I gotta write Excalibur to be Excalibur, and X-Corp's gotta be X-Corp, and uh, everybody else can just uh, try to keep up. Evan continues. Uh, Marauders, issues 14 and 15. The Exosword's dinner party was perhaps the most memorable part of that crossover, at least among the parts I could follow. Well, I tell you, that's definitely where I started to buy in on the Exitent story, uh, which up to that point had been a hunt for swords, which ultimately didn't really amount to a whole lot. But I think it was with those issues that I really started to um, mentally advocate for uh, Jerry Duggan to kind of take over the line. You know, I wanted him to be the head of X because he actually put in the work to flesh out the Araco champions, you know, which... Hickman kind of dropped on people, you know, gave us kind of cool names, kind of cool looks, but that was where he left it. And, I mean, I've always referenced back to the antler-headed aliens from his Avengers run as just characters who don't really have any character. And, I mean, I, I stopped reading the Avengers a long time ago, so that ex Nihilo guy, if he's even still a thing, uh, might be the coolest thing since sliced bread, for all I know. But uh, I, I saw these Iraqi champions as more of that. Just characters that didn't get much thought until someone else came along to flesh them out. Evan continues, X-Men issues 8 and 9. The X-Men's adventures with Brew that left our humble host with egg on his face. He persevered, but it still stings, and some jerks won't let him forget about it. Yeah, I did not like that story. I didn't like that story at all. But at least it set Brew up for his uh, his wonderful run in the X of Tens event, which... Uh, you and I discussed during episode 200, which was a really good time. Um, X-Men number six. 
a return to the Hoxpox events and atmosphere of the revelation of the threat bubbling beneath the surface that could lead to an inferno. Yes, of course, that is the uh, Mystique sort of solo issue where we get to see what happened to the Orcus Forge from her point of view. And we also found out that, uh, well, she knows some stuff. And uh, that stuff is about to start bearing fruit in the books today. Hellions number four. I don't know if any of us were looking forward to this series, but I know a lot of us enjoy it. To me, this was the issue where it solidified as something special with Madeline Pryor's death and resurrection denial. Listening to the episode helped elevate it as well. And I don't need to tell you how much I agree with that sentiment, because, uh, yeah, that was, uh, that was a big issue. Um, very subtle in the way it told the story, but uh, very poignant as well. Uh, definitely one of the highlights of this entire era. And uh, the book itself, I mean, Hellions as a whole, is just a, a phenomenally fun read each and every time out. Evan continues, X-Force issues 7 and 8. Domino and Colossus discussing the ethics of suicide in the Age of Resurrection continues to pop up in our talking time. Absolutely, yes, yes. This was um, this was part of that wave where some of our characters were asking those inconvenient questions about, uh, about Krakoan culture. And, I mean, this came right around the time of uh, something we're about to discuss in a little bit in Evan's message here, but it really got the wheel spinning for a lot of us. It's... It's questions like these that um, poke the most sizable holes in the uh, Krakoan tapestry, for sure. Evan continues, House of X number two. This was the one we thought would change everything, the revelation of Mora the Mutant. House of X number five. Now, this was the one that really changed everything with the introduction of the Resurrection Protocols and the arrival of the villains on Krakoa. That's so funny that you mentioned these two issues because uh, when I was out yesterday uh, listening to the first episode, I, I debated which episode to listen to. Like, do I listen to the first one just to see how it all started, to re- remember how it all started, or do I go to the big shoe drop moments? Do I go to House of X number two? Do I go to House of X number five and see what my initial hot takes on both of those sort of seismic uh, events was back then and see if it changed any or if I'm still you know thinking the same things or just to see how naive I was and maybe some things that I didn't even think to question or maybe stuff that I did question that I forgot that I even questioned. Uh, maybe one of these days uh, I'll get back to listening to those two episodes and uh, and see how... See how uh, I've evolved or devolved in my stance since then. Evan wraps up with X-Men number 7. Now, this was the one that, with the introduction of the Crucible, showed how dramatically the characters and concepts of the X-Men had changed, and the issue we debated long before the stories addressed it, and that I imagine we will continue to revisit even after the curtain is drawn on this era. Oh yeah, I'm sure you're right. This will be discussed for... I don't want to say forever, but for a very, very long time. This is uh, one of the biggest deals, not just in X-Men comics, but just in comics. The Crucible is a terrifyingly complex subject and concept. It's uh, it's almost become like a meme on the show, how often we call back to the Crucible and ask questions and see things in a different light with new revelations that come afterwards, especially in books like Way of X and uh, recent issues of New Mutants. A lot of interesting stuff about the Crucible, and uh, boy, it's uh, it's one of those things that, yeah, I always talk about how do you walk something back. You know, that's my main complaint, or not complaint, but concern when it comes to comics in a shared universe. How do you walk this back? 
But at the same time, it facilitates such fun conversation and such heady conversation, such device, potentially divisive conversation that I can't help but to be happy that it's there. Because, I mean, it's it's given us hours and hours worth of conversation here on the show, and uh, and I'm sure there's hours and hours more to come. Evan closes out with, thanks for wading through this unedited mess, or deleting it without mocking me on the show, and thanks for the effort you put into the show and the friendliness with which you do it. Well, thank you so much, Evan, for being a part of this journey and being a part of our little book club family here. It really does mean a lot, and I definitely appreciate any opportunity to take a trip down memory lane here and see what got us to where we're at. So thank you again for being a part of this and for uh, writing in. Next up, we're going to head into the voicemail box. We got a bunch of great messages in there for this uh, anniversary event. And of course, the voicemail box is always open and waiting for your thoughts. But we're going to start with a message from our friend Joe Crawford. Hey, it's Joe Crawford and... Henry? It it is Henry, you're right. Uh, It's your name, Henry? Yeah. So who's your favorite X-Men? My favorite X-Men is Nightcrawler. Nightcrawler? Okay. Mine historically has been Wolverine. I think that's why Chris let me uh, cover Wolverine with him. So uh, Henry and uh, Joe just wanted to wish X-Lap and Chris, uh, what is this, a happy one-year anniversary? Is that what this would be? You think? Yeah, maybe. Well, we're not sure what you call it, but congratulations on, a, a, you know, a whole year of X-Lap. Am I getting that right, or has it been two years? I don't know. COVID messes with everything. Congrats, Chris. Good job, buddy. Bye. Bye. Oh, that's awesome. Thank you so much, Joe and Henry. And yeah, it's uh, it's been one year, and yes, you're right. Uh, the pandemic has kind of changed what time means, hasn't it? <laughs> it sometimes feels like two years. It sometimes feels like a, a month or two. It's uh, very, very bizarre. But thank you guys so much for calling in and being part of this celebration. Uh, next up, our friend Jody Yarden. Hey, Chris, this is Jody Yarden. Congratulations on one year of X-Labs. You made it through, through thick, through thin, through uh, fallen angels and marauders and <laughs> everything in between. You made it. Congratulations. Thanks for all the uh, work, time, and effort, and bad comics you've had to read. Our enjoyment as well as your own. Uh, we really appreciate it. And uh, my personal, personally, I'm getting ready to read the Hellfire Gala, and uh, I'm excited for it. So I'm waiting to be disappointed. <laughs> Congratulations, Chris. Thanks so much, Jody. And uh, I can't wait to hear your thoughts on the Hellfire Gala. <laughs> I, uh, I'm trying to think if we've had anybody say that they liked the entire thing. Um, there were, of course, some, you know, fun issues in there, uh, but, uh, there was also some not-so-fun issues, so I'm certainly looking forward to hearing your take on that, and, uh, thank you so much for the kind words. Uh, next up, our friend Walt Neeland. Hey, Chris, it's Walt. I wanted to call and leave a longer message, but life and work have been crazy busy lately, and my thoughts are pretty scattered. So primarily, just want to say congratulations on the solid full year of daily podcasting. I've always been impressed at your schedule, even going back to the blog and doing your daily posts. And I know so much more work goes into the podcast than just writing up a blog post. So congratulations. And thank you for all the countless hours of work that you put into it. 
and into the community and for building this community. And just, I'd love to say I hope you keep doing this forever, but that's a little bit selfish. And I know given the work that goes into it, that it's a lot more work for you than it is for those of us listening. So as long as you keep putting out content, I know I'll be around listening, and I'm sure I'm not the only one. So thank you again for this year. Thank you for sharing so much of yourself with us, with the show. And thank your wife also for allowing you to spend the time with all of us. So here's another year or whatever comes, and talk to you soon. Bye. Hey, thank you so much, Walt. Um, You know, the community that we've built here, it's... Like I mentioned in my, I guess my pre-ramble, um, without everybody, uh, there's no way this would still be something I did uh, daily, weekly, monthly. I probably wouldn't be doing it at all. So uh, thank you, uh, thank everybody, actually. Uh, and I'm, I'll get into the, the sappy, um, you know, Oscar speech at the end of the episode. But uh, not definitely means a lot, and. Uh, yeah, I, I will definitely pass on the thanks to my wife here. I probably don't do that nearly enough, but uh, she's a very patient woman and she's a very supportive woman. And uh, the one thing about the show that she kind of has a problem with is the fact that I've never tried to monetize it. <laughs> and so maybe one of these days, I mean, a year, I, I think that's fairly consistent. Maybe we'll uh, maybe we'll put something into motion uh, at some point in the near future. Of course, there's no obligation from anybody. It's just maybe something that we will uh, explore as we uh, move forward here. And I'm kind of with you. It might just be the the weird high I'm on as we're recording this, but uh, I wish we could do this forever, too. Um, I guess that'll all remain to be seen. Uh, who knows what form you know these shows will take as we, uh, as we trudge into the uncertain future. But uh, thank you so much once again, Walt. Uh, next up, my buddy Dave Schultz. Oh, hello there. This is David Schultz, star of such classic hits as He is for Donut. Is the water wet? You bet. I'm just calling to congratulate Chris on a year of x lap It's quite a milestone and the many that you've already had. So for you, my friend, huzzah, congratulations, and a round of applause. Maybe someday you'll be as cool as me. <laughs> well, thank you, Dave. I don't know if I'll ever be as cool. I, I've never, I don't think that's a, ever been a word that's u- been used to describe me. Um, I could think of a lot of uh, words that have been used to describe me, but that, uh, unfortunately, at least to this point, is not one of them. But uh, thank you so much for your kind words and all of your support throughout the years, buddy. I really, really appreciate it. Uh, next up, we're going to our friend Jeremiah. Hi, Jeremiah Jones here, first-time caller, long-time listener. Just wanted to say, listen to the uh, X-Men-sized podcast. I had read that comic before listening to the podcast, thought it was okay. Listen to your podcast, realized I missed a whole ton of stuff. Now I need to go back and reread it. Anyway, take care, keep it up, we'll talk to you. Well, thanks so much for uh, listening and being there, Jeremiah, and... uh Hey, you know, it's kind of what we do here, right? We we bring up points that other others may miss and uh, sometimes facilitate rereads and uh, re-experiences. Uh, but uh, thank you once again for, uh, for being there and all your support. Uh, next up, we're going to go to 
our friend Jesse. Hey, Chris. This is Jesse just calling to uh, wish you and congratulate you on one year of podcasting with X-Lapse and the X-Lapse, X-Lapse anniversary. That's kind of hard to say. But uh, congratulations. You should probably take some time off. Go take your wife up to Washington <laughs> and get your anniversary in. But thank you. Keep up the great work, and I look forward to hearing from you. See ya. Hey, thanks so much, Jesse. And, uh, yeah, maybe one of these days I'll get back up to Washington. Uh, I've, I don't know if I've mentioned the reasons why we haven't gone to Washington, but uh, we lost our uh, dog sitter. Our dog sitter moved away, and we've got three very little dogs, and uh, we're... Uh, we're very, very uh, crazy about our dogs, and we're always worried that something's going to happen, and uh, we don't trust easily. So it's almost as though we've accepted that we're just never going to travel again, unfortunately. But uh, maybe that'll change. Hopefully, that'll change. And uh, insofar as taking a break or a vacation, I did mention that I'm getting a crown put on tomorrow. So uh, we'll we'll see if I'm in any condition to talk or if I'll have to use... Uh, was it Microsoft Sam? I'll just have him dictate my uh, next episode. No, that would be awful. That would be awful. <laughs> but uh, we'll see. Thank you so much for all your support. Uh, next up, our friend Andrew Franklin. Hi, Chris. This is Andrew calling just to congratulate you on uh, a whole year of daily podcasts for uh, X-Lapse, uh, a feat that uh, is is, well... Hard to believe, really. Um, not something I could de- do. Um, I remember when you started this show, uh, and I'm very much enjoying, in hindsight, your uh, wild theories and the edge-of-the-seat edge nature of you going through uh, House of X, Powers of X, you know, knowing what had happened, um, and then you rolling into the daily coverage of the series. Um, of series that I had passed on for one reason or another until uh, I was moved to start reading again. Um, something that uh, I haven't done in, in about two decades of uh, Marvel publications. Uh, I started actually reading X-Men again. And, you know, I have uh, I've enjoyed some of it, <laughs> as I'm sure you probably know. Um, but it has been a lot of fun uh, talking to people and, uh, hearing you talk about the the books, what's good, what's not so good, but just um, being able to talk uh, X Men again um, has been really great. And without you doing this show, uh, well, I I wouldn't I wouldn't have been thinking about X Men or reading it or you know doing any of that. So uh, I just want to thank you for all your efforts. Um, I really appreciate it. I know everyone who listens to the show does. Um, and, uh, well, here's to maybe a year more of X-Lapse. All right, Chris. Talk to you later. Thank you so, so much, Andrew. Um, yeah, this is, this is interesting. Um, I I haven't listened to any of these before recording. I, I didn't want, uh... I wanted to give everybody my my you know fresh take, uh, just like I do with the books with the with the voicemails here. So, yeah, I'm, I feel a little uh, uh, sideswiped um, <laughs> and not prepared. But thank you. Um, yeah, the the little community we've got, uh, folks talking X Men, uh, you being back into X Men. That's just amazing stuff. It's uh, stuff that 
you know, a year ago when we started this, I never, I never thought any of this was was possible. And I mean, these are, these are little victories, right? This is, you know, it's just, I don't know. It's really, really cool. <laughs> it's really cool, and it means so much to me. Now we've got one last voicemail for today that came in just under the wire, <laughs> as far as our recording is concerned, and it's from our friend Jason. Hi, Chris. This is Jason from Rhode Island, hoping I got this in before the anniversary buzzer. Congrats on the milestone, and thanks for being our constant companion through what's been a bit of an interesting year. So, until Sinister Secrets moves to Substack, continue to make mine eclipsed. Yes, you just beat the buzzer for this episode, so thank you so much for calling in, Jason. And uh, yeah, let's hope uh, the Sinister Secrets don't go to Substack, because I, I still don't know what a Substack is, and uh, I, I don't think I want to. <laughs> I've talked before about... How, uh, I don't know, how unbroad my horizons about comics have become over these uh, past, I don't know, decade or so. Used to be I would try everything. Used to be uh, I'd go to the shop and I would just uh, grab, 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 buy whatever uh, was there. Whatever small press company, mini comics. I would always just uh, hunger for these uh, for these stories that don't have anything to do with Marvel continuity or DC continuity. And... Well, in my my uh, as I approach middle age here, I find I just don't have the headspace for all that. So uh, it's got to be something that adds to the lore of something that I uh, am already invested in. <laughs> so let's hope that there's no sinister secrets on whatever a Substack is. But uh, thank you so so much for calling in, and uh, that, my friends, will uh, do it for this episode. Here, I'll uh, hop into the. Contact information. Uh, if you'd like to get a hold of me, you could do so several different ways. You could find me on Twitter at Ace Comics. You can shoot me an email over to weirdcomicshistory at gmail.com or you can call into the voicemail box at 623 396 jerk. For blog posts and show notes, you can head over to Chris's on infiniteearths.com. You could also join us on Facebook. Our little group is 90s X Men. Finally, for the complete archives, it's chrisandreggie.podbean.com, available. You know where it is. It's available anywhere the internet aggregates noise. But with all that out of the way, I want to thank everybody so, so much. Um, I, I can't even put into words how much I want to thank everybody for being with me uh, on this journey. Not just today, but every day for the past, you know, 365 days. It uh, really, really means so much. Um, like I said at the beginning, this can be a very lonely hobby. And uh, thankfully it hasn't been You know, despite the fact that I'm sitting in a room talking to myself I don't feel alone Which, uh, that's, that's a really cool feeling So thank you all so much uh, From the bottom of my heart uh, For being there with me And uh, being on this journey and helping to keep me company While I hope to help keep you company So thank you all once again And uh, till next time, as always I'll talk to you again real soon See ya